Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. What's up, everybody? Uh, it's Dan Canobio here, Inside Boxing Live, a special edition of the podcast. Obviously, we're not in studio this week, uh, just how the schedule played out, but I did want to get uh, my observations out there, obviously coming off of uh, the Mikey Garcia-Errol Spence fight. I was out there in Dallas this past weekend, ringside for the fight. Uh, I mean, unbelievable experience. You can say what you will about the fight, and we'll touch on that in a few minutes. But just the experience of being at AT&T Stadium, for me it was the first time. I uh, didn't make it out there for some of those Pacquiao fights and, and, and the Canelo fight a couple of years back. But, you know, this is one that was, was circled on, on the calendars for a lot of fight fans. A lot of people thought, you know, why was this fight being made? Uh, it, you know, Mikey Garcia has no shot. Then as, you know, the weeks and the months led up to this fight, you started to think Mikey Garcia had a shot. You know, Mikey Garcia is very confident, and he thought he had a shot. So it was a highly anticipated fight, and, and it was awesome to be out there. I mean, the stadium, if you've never been to AT&T Stadium, you have to get out there to, to catch a, a Cowboy game, to a concert, you know, a big fight, especially if you're a fight fan. I mean, 47,000 fans packed into the stadium. It was the loudest I've ever been a part of a boxing event. You know, the loudest, I was trying to think of the loudest events I've been a part of, you know, ringside. You know, Canelo at MSG uh, this past December was, was really, really loud. You know, Triple G at MSG also uh, very loud. But that's like only 20,000 people. This is 47,000 fans going crazy in a football arena. I mean, you know, the entrances were, were off the charts with the, with the fire and the the, uh, the the fireworks and it had everything. I mean, it was it was awesome from an aesthetic standpoint being there and taking it in all weekend. We can talk about the fight. We'll get to the fight right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a systematic beatdown. Errol Spence did what he does. Uh, I picked Errol Spence by TKO in the tenth round. I didn't quite understand, you know, why people thought Mikey Garcia was going to win this fight. Um, I thought the reasoning for why people thought Mikey Garcia was just off. I mean, a lot of people said that he's, you know, he's a Garcia. Uh, he's daring to be great. Um, I mean, he sees something in Errol Spence. He's from a fighting family. I heard everything on why they thought Mikey Garcia would win this fight. But nothing, you know, no bare bone stuff, no like X's and O's on what he would do to get inside on Spence, what he would do to slow down the bigger guy. Right from the opening bell, from where I was seated, and I was seated, you know, right behind the commentary, uh, the Fox commentators, I noticed the size difference was was pretty apparent. And I also noticed that Errol Spence was landing at will in that first round. He was touching him with the jab. He not only was just touching him, he was just snapping the head back. Of Mikey Garcia, none of the punches throughout the, all twelve rounds for Errol Spence were, you know, punches that, you know, one punch power or, or thudding shots. They were just very crisp, and he was landing at will. And the, you know, those first couple rounds were were a little slow, but you can just sense that that Spence was working on on things you don't really notice. You know, getting in range, landing the jab, slipping punches. His defense is so underrated, Errol Spence. Everyone wants to talk about. You know, his body's punching and how he could, you know, both hands, power in both hands. But his defense is really elite. And Mikey Garcia had nothing. He had no answers 
for Errol Spence. And this is Mikey Garcia, who many regard as a top 10 pound-for-pound talent. And he looked helpless in there. He looked like an ordinary fighter. I mean, I couldn't believe you. Take a look at the punch stats. Errol Spence threw over 1,000 punches in this fight. 1,082 punches, which I didn't think, I didn't see that coming. I knew that he was going to come in in shape, and I knew that he was a great fighter, but I didn't think he had that type of motor. You know, he threw over 100 punches. I'm going to get this right here. He threw over 100 punches in the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th rounds. That's insane. That ninth round, he went 51 of 121, Spence. 51 landed punches on Mikey Garcia is by far the most landed punches on Mikey Garcia in his career, which is over 40 fights. You know, Mikey Garcia never landed more than nine punches in every round. I said he looked helpless in there. He just couldn't get anything going. I mean, I was waiting for a moment for Mikey Garcia in this fight. I think the whole crowd was because I would say it was about... You know, I thought it was going to be a much more of a Mikey Garcia crowd. A lot of Spence fans showed up too, but it was clearly a, M- a Mikey Garcia crowd. They were waiting for, for Garcia to have a moment. I was waiting for him, you know, to land a few shots and try to get some momentum back. It just didn't come. And I thought after that ninth round, you know, the fight could have been stopped. You know, I was looking over in between rounds and, you know, during the rounds, I, w- I would glance over to, to look at Mikey Garcia's corner to see the look on his brother's face, Robert Garcia. You know, it's kind of a weird situation. You got your brother in there. You know how tough he is, but it's also your brother. You know, it's family. And he's taking, you know, a beating. He did take a beating. And I, th- I thought that's the, type of, that's the type of beating that could potentially alter a career. You know, 29 years old, Mikey Garcia, he's, he's had a pretty long career as it is. Yeah, I know he had a few years off to kind of reset the, reset the batteries. But he's in, he made a, a career-high payday. He took a beating in there. So I know Tim Bradley came out and said that he thinks that Mikey Garcia, you know, could hang him up after this fight. You know, I'm, I don't exactly think that. I think Mikey Garcia has a lot more to prove. But it was interesting. So I thought the fight could have been stopped in the ninth round. I know that, you know, Mikey wanted to have a moral victory. It was pretty clear he wanted to go 12 rounds. So he can say, yeah, I went 12 rounds with, with Errol Spence, the boogeyman of the welterweight division, a guy who came in at 165 pounds on fight night. I don't quite understand that thinking because I, I it got to the point where there was no chance for Mikey Garcia to win. He had nothing on his punches towards the end of that fight. You got to live to fight another day. There are still huge fights for him down at 140 or, or, or 135. Should he go back down there? Obviously, Lomachenko, you know, Javante uh, Davis. Just go up and down the list of, of of guys in those general weight classes that Mikey Garcia could fight. That's my thoughts on the fight. Uh, obviously, now Errol Spence. It transitions to who's next for Errol Spence. Mikey, uh, uh, Manny Pacquiao got into the ring after the fight. <laughs> and that was a funny interaction where, you know, Heidi Andrell from, from Fox said, you know, let's just get right to it. Do you want uh, Manny Pacquiao, Errol? And Errol's, bring Manny Pacquiao over here. And Pacquiao was just like, yeah, yeah I guess I'll fight you. I mean, uh, sure, why not? And part of me thinks that that Manny Pacquiao wants nothing to do with Errol Spence. I mean, Errol Spence, I think, would, would beat Manny Pacquiao with, with ease. I think Pacquiao would put up a little more of a fight than Mikey Garcia did, but I don't think that would be good uh, for Manny Pacquiao. What I see next, I see Errol Spence taking on Sean Porter. That's a clear fight you can make within the PBC uh, roster. I think that's a marketable fight. It's two guys uh, that, that can talk. It's two guys 
that you can sell. I don't know if it would be a Fox pay-per-view. I don't know if it would be in Dallas again. But it is clear that Errol Spence is a draw in Dallas. Um, if PBC is smart, they will keep him fighting in Dallas. They'll put the big ones at Jerry Roll, put the smaller ones at the Star, which is the practice facility where Spence fought uh, in June of 2018. Uh, but that's what I think's next for El Spence. I think he fights Porter. They unify the WBC in the IBF title. And then I see Pacquiao fighting Thurman. That would be a pay-per-view fight in late June from what I'm hearing. Uh, that would be a big one probably in Las Vegas. So then you figure out the WBA side of things between Pacquiao and Thurman. The two winners face each other in, in early 2020. So you know if you think Thurman gets past Pacquiao, if you think Spence gets past Porter... Then you have another unification bout between Porter, I mean between um, Spence and Thurman. Then you can start talking about Terrence Crawford because that fight's not happening anytime soon. I, I hate to, to be the bearer of bad news, but if you're a boxing fan listening to this, you know the politics of the sport. You know that Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence is not happening anytime soon. The only way that fight happens is if it's all four belts are on the line. It's clear that the public wants it. It's clear that, you know, everyone in the sport wants it. Then I think, you know, late 2020 is when we can really start banging the drum for an Errol Spence, uh, Terrence Crawford fight should they get past, you know, all, all these hurdles in there. Especially if Errol Spence has three of the belts at that time and Terrence Crawford's still holding on to that WBO belt, which I fully expect him to hold on to because he's going to be facing the likes of, you know, Amir Khan, Maybe Danny Garcia for, for, for Terrence Crawford. That's a story uh, for another day. That's what I think is going to happen in the welterweight division. I think the welterweight division has a chance right now to steal some of the shine away from the heavyweight division, which is in complete mess right now. I'm heading to the Barclays Center on Tuesday to catch up with Deontay Wilder. He has his big press conference to reveal, I'm doing air quotes right now, to reveal uh, his uh, big plans. I'm, I mean, everyone that I've talked to this past weekend, Everyone I've talked to in the in the business uh, says that Wilder's going to stay with Showtime. I'm hearing a three fight deal. I'm hearing um, that Wilder will will fight the likes of Brazil. Uh, you know, he'll fight Konaski. He'll fight maybe Ortiz in a rematch. <laughs> Notice I did not say Anthony Joshua. Notice I did not say Tyson Fury uh, because I don't think those fights are happening. But we'll see. We'll see what happens at the Barclays Center on Tuesday when we talk to uh, Deontay Wilder. But I think that the welterweight division right now has a chance to to get back into the spotlight and, and be the premier weight class as you know has been for the last you know twenty thirty years, especially in boxing. As for the experience of being down in Dallas for a mega fight, you know, it was different. It was different than being in New York. It was different than being in Vegas. Um, a little more spread out. That's the one thing I don't like when, when fights leave. Uh, big fights leave Las Vegas is everything spread out. You know, I'm taking Ubers. You know, I took about 15 Ubers this weekend, heading over to the to the fighter hotel, heading over to the hotel we were staying at with all the Fox broadcast team. You know, heading to the arena, which is another 30 minutes away. So that part I didn't exactly love, but you know, just Jerry World is is an unbelievable, just building. I mean, holy, just insane. You're walking up to it, he's just like, wow, this it looks like a like an airport hangar. With uh, you know a boxing ring uh, in in the middle of it is unbelievable. Uh, the 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 weigh in was fun. wasn't as many fighters at the weigh in as I thought. I thought there would be a ton of PBC guys there. I was trying to do some interviews. Couldn't really do any interviews because there was simply uh, no one there. But I did catch up with Victor Conti. 
Uh, he had some interesting things to say about Mikey Garcia and his whole program, getting him up to, you know, 155 pounds or whatever it was the week before the fight. You know, he's going to work with a lot more fighters, according to, to, to Victor Conti. You know, after seeing, well, actually after this performance from Garcia, who knows, but you know, seeing how Garcia got up to speed there and he, you know, he looked strong, at least at the weigh-in, Victor Conti looks like he wants to uh, keep his clientele growing. Saw Kelly Pavlik at the weigh-in. He's got a podcast. Uh, everyone's got a podcast. Uh, he says he's interested in coming back. He will only come back at cruiserweight. Uh, he looked like he was in shape. He still had some weight to cut a little bit, but he, you know, he was built. I think he he's like he said he's a power lifter now. So caught up with Kelly Pavlik. He was hanging out at the hotel. So Ray Mancini uh, had some great conversations with Ray Mancini. Um, just an awesome guy to sit at a bar with. I mean, top five list of of ex fighters or ex you know boxing personalities that you want to hang out with at a hotel bar is Ray Mancini. I mean, the guy can talk. Not just about boxing, too, you know, about Hollywood and his production company. Had some good conversations with him about, uh, you know, his fighting career, and, you know, the Camacho fight we talked about, and, and, you know, just the state of the game and, and, you know, the business side of things. So, you know, that was awesome. And, and uh, you know, then we headed over to the fight on, on fight night. And I like to walk around a lot. I like, you know, in between fights, we have to get there at like 3 o'clock. The fight didn't go on the air until 8 or seven, I should say, on FS1. So we had a, we got there like around two thirty. Gives me a lot of time to to hang out and walk around and, and take in Jerry Royal. I went up to the top, uh, you know, the rafters to kind of take a photo. You know, walking around the the locker room area. I'm seeing who I can bump into. And I'm standing back there, and all of a sudden I hear like on the headsets or on the, the walkie talkies. You know, the eagle has landed. Eagle has landed. In my mind, you know, the only eagle that has could land is Jerry Jones. I'm like, oh crap, is Jerry Jones about to roll up? Little, you know, next thing I know, I see Jerry Jones roll up on his uh, Dallas Cowboys golf cart, and he's right in front of me. So I say, hey Jerry, hey, what's up, man? Got to talking with him, talked a little boxing, talked a little, you know, Aldo Beckham trade. I'm a Giants fan, so I said to him, hey man, would you ever trade Odell Beckham Jr.? And Jerry goes, well, young man, I'm the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, um, so therefore I cannot trade Odell Beckham. I said, no, you know, obviously, if you were the Giants owner, would you trade Odell Beckham Jr.? He goes, well, I don't exactly know what he was doing to the owner. I don't know uh, his, uh, you know, how he was behaving, but I got a guy in Amari Cooper who I think is better than Odell Beckham. So then, obviously, you know, I wasn't going to disagree or start an argument with Jerry Jones in his arena. So uh, you just agreed to disagree. Got a little photo op. That was awesome. Um, talked to Lennox Lewis a lot. Uh, he had some interesting stuff to say about the heavyweight division. We're going to get him on an upcoming show. I think the next one we do in studio next Monday uh, could have Lennox Lewis on the program. Awesome. Really fun to talk to. I talked to him for about a half an hour in the green room before the fight. Just talking about his career. He's talking about you know big fights, you know, the Olympic days, what he's up to now. Just a great guy to kind of just sit around and just kind of pick his brain. You know, that's the thing when though when you're on on the road at these big fights, you never know who you're gonna run into, you never know who you're gonna see. I wanted to hop on with you guys and talk about this experience since we're off this week from Inside Boxing Live, but you know, all in all, not the fight we wanted in terms of drama in the ring. Uh, I think we learned a lot about Errol Spence. I think that uh, he was out to prove a point. Yeah, he could have just kind of bum-rushed Mikey Garcia. I think he said that after the fight. He could have just went in there and, and took him out with brute strength. But I think he was really, really pissed off all week long and all in the months leading up to this fight that the only reason why people thought that he would win was because of his size. 
Not because of his boxing ability, not because of his boxing IQ, just because he was bigger. And I, and I agreed with him there. And I, I thought that people were really were talking too much about Mikey Garcia and what he needed to do and not enough about how great Errol Spence is and not just being the bigger fighter, just being a technical fighter, being a fighter who was an Olympian. I mean, he just got, and I'm going to say disrespected, but people just kind of overlooked Errol Spence and what he's about. And I think, you know, Saturday night really put him on the map. He's not a, a brash, he's not flashy, but he is a gentleman in there. He, he's a, a, a guy that will be a good ambassador to the sport, clearly wants to fight everyone. I don't know if uh, everyone wants to fight him in the welterweight division. We'll see. He's a guy that I also think could move up one day. I can see him at 160. I can see, uh, you know, that's really down the road. But, you know, he's a guy that I think will take on all challenges. I think he's the new face of, um, well, I wouldn't say he's the face of boxing, but he certainly raised his profile. And I think that boxing is in good hands when Errol Spence is in, like, the top three or four uh, pound-for-pound fighters. Coming up this week... I'm heading down to the Barclays Center. I'm going to talk to Deontay Wilder. I'm going to talk to whoever's there, get some interviews. They're going to be up on our YouTube page. We're back in studio um, next Monday. Like I said, we're going to try to get Lennox Lewis on the show, Steve Kim. Um, talk to a bunch of uh, people out there. Boxing schedule is heating up. You know, Lomachenko fights down the road. Uh, Gavasik's in the ring on March 30th on ESPN. Uh, he's got a piece of the 175-pound division. He's got a title. Uh, Ryan Garcia is in the ring March 30th on zone. I enjoy watching uh, Ryan Garcia fight I don't know about you, but I do So uh, things are starting to heat up First uh, mega fight of the year down With Spence and Garcia Now everything, I think, will gear up towards May weekend uh, Cinco de Mayo with Canelo And uh, Danny Jacobs That's the next mega fight Before we start to head over to the heavyweights And then we head into the summer And then I think the fall is going to be huge as well So I did want to hop on with you guys Keep it locked here uh, to Inside Boxing Live. Got a lot of things coming down the pipeline, a lot of big stuff. Uh, All right, guys, talk to you soon.